Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. I believe that this style of communication is never going to leave us. I think that we will continue to communicate and collaborate through all of these social platforms. And I call them social platforms because we can look at each other as well as listen to each other. Today on episode 591 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder and CEO of Business Improv, Bob Culhan. I'm going to ask Bob what consultants and coaches need to know about improv and why. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Bob along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Bob Culhan. Bob is an elite improviser, an adjunct professor at Duke Fuqua B-School, author of Getting to Yes And, and the founder and CEO of Business Improv, a 22-year-old consultancy linking improvisation to business through behavioral sciences and ROI for blue-chip companies. BI is a world-class leader in experiential on-site, virtual, online, blended, and open enrollment programs. Bob, welcome to the show. David, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. So interesting combination, improv and business. What's the story behind that? Well, my undergrad degree in, uh, in the university level is, appropriately enough, a BS in business. And I had actually fair success as a young businessman, won a Bank of America award for creative marketing by the time I was around 23 in Chicago. And then I left it all to immerse myself in the art of improvisation and really did that for a solid five years, studying it, performing it, teaching it, directing it, performing it, performing it, performing it, performing it as much as humanly possible and burned through my savings account. And uh, uh, proved that at least in the mid-90s, a professional improviser was a contradiction in terms. And so cut to 1999, I am broke. I'm about to lose my condo because that was the only thing I did with the money. I didn't invest it in anything when I was a businessman except a a condo directly east of Wrigley Field. And I was having trouble making a a pretty modest mortgage. And um, I had the opportunity to create the first program in any business school in the entire world that focused solely on linking improvisation to business. So business was something I was good at and I really loved and improvisation was like skin to me. It's just who I am. And that opportunity to put the two together really created a whole world for me. And and the overlap between what we would do comedically up on stage and what we have to do as consultants, coaches, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, it's really, really strong. And that's when it all came together and I was able to kind of see the light, if you will. Yeah. Had you used any of these techniques, the improv techniques in business before you started studying them? Well, no, I see in the the mid late nineties, I was teaching improvisation for some of those really big houses in Chicago that everybody knows by name. And I was in their corporate arms. And what I'd hear in their corporate programs was that this was a lot of fun and you can't use it. It's useless. And it's, that means it's a waste of time. And people would get frustrated because they just spent a half a day not working. So they actually had to go back to work and make up that work that they missed by doing this 
quote unquote team building event. And it made me really frustrated. It made me feel like a, a snake oil salesman. Like I'm, I'm, this is something I love improv and also business is something I love. And what I was teaching was not representative of what I knew could be. And so it was this opportunity for Duke Fuqua that really created a lot of power inside me, number one, and yet clarity and understanding how to put these two together uh, for a business audience. And so this was the time for me in 1999 was the, the first time that I started crafting programs specifically for a business and leadership and personal and professional development audience. Yeah, I'm really surprised that the way you describe it, folks that were pretty steeped in improv didn't see the connection to business because I personally have never studied improv. But from what I know about it, it seems to me like it's all about active listening and then taking appropriate action right afterwards. And business leadership is all about active listening and taking appropriate action afterwards if you want to do it well. So it seems to me like they would naturally fit together. Absolutely. And David, I, your understanding of this, I think, is on point. Cut back, though, to 22 years ago. And improvisation was not popular in America as an art form. It was not popular in Hollywood. In fact, it was looked down upon in Hollywood. And it wasn't until the mid-2000s, once you had shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and, of course, Whose Lines That Anyway popped over the pond from England to America, that Hollywood started understanding that you could actually make money on this. You could put marketing dollars behind this. And then they started understanding the skill set of improvisation. And it went from being a pariah for all practical purposes to something that was mandatory in everybody's resume as an actor, as a model, as a talent. And that's when business started understanding that, oh, this is more than just creating comedy. This is a specific skill set that's baked into listening. It's focus, it's concentration, it's presence, it's engagement, it's agility, it's adaptability. It's how we communicate and collaborate with each other. And that's when it really started taking hold in the, I would say, late aughts, if you will, of the 2000s, 2008, 2009. I think that's when business was like, oh, this is a great skill set that pretty much everybody needs. Yeah, it's really fascinating to hear that history. So that being said, and given what you've done with it, what do consultants and coaches specifically need to know about improv? It is not comedy. That is an outcome of improvisation. Just like if you watch any cooking competitions and they have to open up a basket and there's mystery ingredients inside and they have to put these together to make a delicious meal, they're not making comedy, they're making dishes. And if you look at athletes, what they have to do on the court or on a playing field or as a baseball fan, you know, watching a, a Chicago Cubs baseball fan, watching their shortstop El Mago, having a Baez do these fantastic, magnificent plays, it's sure something that he probably practiced an awful lot. Yet at the same time, the moment the ball comes off the bat at 100 miles an hour, he has an instant to react to this. And that's really what we're focusing on in improvisation, specifically business improvisation reacting and adapting and communicating. And that's not about comedy. That's a specific outcome, just like what the military do has a very specific outcome, just like what solopreneurs and coaches and consultants have to do. We have to react, we have to adapt, and we have to communicate on a very regular basis, especially if you're customer-focused or client-focused. The information that those people are giving you is valuable. It's gold. 
it's the opportunity to show them on their terms why what you're bringing to the table is important to that specific audience, which means that their, your message can craft can be crafted and recrafted from audience member to another audience member with just very small adjustments in real time. And it would be even more meaningful and impactful because you're showing those specific people that you're paying attention to them. So what's an example or a story where a consultant or coach might use the improv technique? All right. Let's say that you have an elevator pitch, right? Everybody's got an elevator pitch. You have your short summary. And let's just say you're at a networking event. We're opening these back up again. And somebody comes to you and they say, well, I have this problem, this problem, and this problem. And your elevator pitch does not necessarily address those problems. Yet, if you're really focusing and paying attention to what they're saying, you use your elevator pitch as your base. And then you take these key elements that they just gave you and fold them into the pitch in real time, showing that you are actually the solution to their biggest challenges that they have. And that's just an adapt adaptation of what you already have in place. So it's this level of flexibility then in the moment in real time that can drive customer satisfaction. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. What's another example? Uh, ideation session, collaborative conversation with someone. They, you have already developed this relationship and now they present to you this new problem, this new challenge. And the opportunity in that spirit of divergent thinking versus convergent thinking, divergent thinking, you have a problem, challenge, unexpected opportunity, you get away from it. You diverge from that specific challenge. And in this arena, it's about coming up with ideas. It's about the sheer volume of ideas. In this arena, you are deliberately postponing judgment. So you create a space to experiment, explore, make a mess versus convergent thinking. On the convergent side, you begin the editing process, the filtering process, the sorting process until you finally come up with that viable working solution that you and your audience, your your customers, your consumers need. So just that opportunity to put structure in place for a specific group on how to have a collaborative conversation that's based in postponing judgment to just ideate or explore possibility and potential is absolutely enormous because creativity and innovation are like hallmark challenges for people. We get bogged down when it comes to this style of thinking and to show people how to do this in a step-by-step basis makes you incredibly important. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, one of the things that I mentioned in my introduction is that your company is a leader in experiential on-site and virtual online blended and open enrollment programs. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yes, absolutely. It's a mouthful. <laughs> so I appreciate that. It, it is a mouthful. Yes. All right. So experiential learning means high energy, up on your feet, very dynamic. We call this in business improv, ride the bike style learning, meaning specifically, what's the best way to learn how to ride a bicycle? You get on, you get on a bike and you fall down. Yeah, exactly. It's not listen to a brilliant podcast about it. It's not read a case study about it or watch a video. You get on the bike and you fall and then you do it again and again and again until you figure out how to ride the bike. Hopefully with training wheels and support around you, maybe pads and cushions. At the same time, you learn how to ride that specific bike. And so that's what that experiential learning means for us. Learning how to use these tools and techniques by doing them, by going through them. We pin them down with the behavioral sciences. We pin them down with real world examples, yet we learn by doing. 
Now, improvisation by nature is known to be high energy and dynamic and immersive as an on-site engagement. That's what we've done for 21 years. However, for business improv, the writing was on the wall that we needed to start focus on going virtual back in 2010. So if you go backwards in time, 11 years, every there was a lot of uh, scuttlebutt around going <laughs> going virtual, right? Everybody was like, oh, it's going to replace on-site learning. So what we did in business improv is grab the uh, little avatars, those little pixelated sticks, essentially. Like, can we figure out how to teach improv through avatars? And that was a horrible experience. That was crash and burn. Yet we learned a lot from it. And so you move forward to the telepresence, those big TV sets, and we figured out how to do it inside those because these academic institutions for whom I work have access to all of these technologies, which means that I have an invitation to explore and experiment. And once the technology started coming into place away from those big TV sets, which were just big and bulky and expensive, and no one wanted to leave their place to go to these other TV sets because that defeated the purpose of an, an on-site replacing on-site engagement. So you cut to now Skype, FaceTime, and then, of course, these other platforms that start coming up that are all social-based. This is when we really press the gas pedal. And to put this in context, this is 2017 when we started delivering virtually. And so this opportunity to grab our clients and build programs around their virtual teams back in 2016 and then executing in 2017 really gave us great comfort with this arena, so much so that we created a digital online course in 2019. And that course, Improvisational Communication, is async. You buy it, you own it, you go at your own pace, and you cut to 2019, virtually no one in experiential learning was focusing on going virtual, let alone online, async. Now, you know, experiential learning and that type of uh, format and structure and methodology and medium of virtual and online, those don't come hand in hand with each other. So it took a lot of piling expro- uh, prototyping to make this work. And so we were pretty alone doing this out there, at least based on what we could see but on research. We had great success, though, with both the synchronous virtual stuff and the async online program. So we started creating a hybrid model. When we put those two together, you take some base learning of the async program that you own, you go at your own pace, and then create some open enrollment programs where you can actually come together live with us and with other people and learn how to do these tools and techniques and create a community of people in a a great, safe practice field type of space where you have the opportunity to find your own voice using these techniques, find comfort, and then ultimately find authenticity using these tools and techniques. Because that's all they are, is tools and techniques. And so how you're going to wield them and apply them is going to be a bit different than how other people will. Yet, we can learn from those differences. You can learn from people outside your field. And that's the open enrollment stuff. So what are some examples or stories of how these actually work? What is it people would be learning? How would they do it, et cetera? All right. So learning the online program, that is for personal and professional development in communication, collaboration, creativity, leading change, dealing with conflict. Because if you're leading change, chances are you're going to have to deal with a little bit of resistance. And then ultimately, how do you create a culture that sustains this growth and improvement so that you can continue to grow and improve? So if you go to the the first core concepts there, communication and collaboration, this can be done on any level. 
this, you know, you feel, a lot of people think collaboration, like, oh, it's a big group environment where you're all brainstorming. It's not. It's a conversation with somebody. You and I are collaborating right now on this specific podcast, on this focus. You can actually create the same structure, though, and do it for yourself. The ability to postpone judgment, turn off your internal editing device, turn off your censorship device, device so you can just see a challenge from multiple angles and find ways to solve this challenge. If you move this collaborative style of thinking out then one more time to just one other person, and we'll expand it two steps away to conflict and conflict management, it's having difficult conversations with people. And that could be external client facing that we have to sort of right the ship a little bit. You can bring that home internal. Who's in your stay at home office with you over the last year? with whom you possibly have, you know, rubbed against in an abrasive way every once in a while. Significant others, partners, spouses, husbands, wives, children. You can use as communication collaboration techniques. If you have to talk with people in any capacity, this is essential as just a core, quote unquote, soft skill building methodology. Right. So, you know, let's say, for example, you're a marketing consultant. Yes. Right. And you advise your clients on how to build their marketing strategy for some new program, service, product that they're trying to roll out. How would you deploy some of these skills? First, teaching clients how to create a marketing strategy is based in collaborative conversations and creativity. That's how I have approached this for other marketing agencies. And then the next part of this uh, could be an extension of like, how are you pitching? How are you pitching these ideas to your clients? So looking first at this structure for a collaborative organization, you need the opportunity to, again, go back to that. I, I like the structure of divergent thinking and convergent thinking just as a mental model to separate when you're coming up with ideas versus when you're editing ideas. And putting this type of structure in place, you need a strong step-by-step approach to do this so that you have longevity with it. Because a lot of people can just run a collaborative conversation as a one-off. Now, the challenge though is a lot of people in those collaborative conversations like to default on why they won't work, why an idea won't work, why uh, we don't have the budget for this, the time, the money. And so in doing so, we start shutting each other down which then starts creating barriers to the way that we communicate and collaborate with each other. So taking the techniques of business improv, you can look at those barriers to communication, collaboration, and show people how to remove those barriers for strategic periods of time. Not necessarily a postponed judgment, ultimately, of those barriers, yet for strategic periods of time, it's important to remove those barriers to communication and collaboration to create psychological safety. Now, this psychological safety is an imperative to get people to talk with each other, just open up ideas. Now, the way that we, both on the improv stage and the way that we set it up in business improv, is to focus on not being clever, don't be creative, be honest, be present in the moment at a very high level and articulate your thoughts in real time. And in doing so, what we find is just hearing from people in real time provides brilliance. It provides clarity. It provides the opportunity to see the world from different angles. And in that is the creativity. 
And the most creative ideas that we ultimately come up with are just from people just talking with each other and just sharing ideas in a very relaxed way. We're not trying to be clever. We're not trying to be creative. We're just trying to be honest. And so the opportunity to, to walk clients through how to actually set up this environment for themselves means that they can expand that to other people. They can use this as an internal culture, ultimately. And ultimately, as well, you teach people how to work as a team. And this then relates to pitching, because it could be one person pitching for this. Now I'm thinking, again, past the uh, potential audience you have into their audiences of a marketing agency, a, mar- a small group marketing company. You know, Are they able to show up in force as a team to show their clients that they have chemistry, that they are actually the team to beat. They're going to work harder. They're going to work smarter. They're going to provide a higher level of quality than anybody else. They are client focused and they have the hunger to work with them. And as consultants and coaches, the ability to empower clients in that capacity ends up coming back around like tenfold because they think you're a genius for teaching them how to do this. Well, Bob, first of all, congratulations on being a trailblazer in this field. Yes, it nice. sounds like sounds like you've really, really been ahead of the curve. Given some of the changes we've experienced, both in technology, let's say over the last um, decade plus, and over workplace behavior, specifically the last year, where do you see things going in the future? I believe that this style of communication is never going to leave us. I think that we will continue to communicate and collaborate through all of these social platforms. And I call them social platforms because we can look at each other as well as listen to each other. Not that we can't uh, use the phone or a conference call as a social platform, yet a lot of people just don't deal with that the same way. This one, we get to see some body language on top of it. Now, I believe that The messages that we were hearing in 2009, which set us on the path in 2010 to start exploring and experimenting through these mediums, are coming to life right now by necessity. And because a lot of people are fighting to stay remote, a lot of people are fighting to continue uh, to have a, a hybrid style where they're in the office and out of the office, means that this is going to be a way that we continue to communicate and collaborate with each other, which then leads to the next part of this, learning how to communicate and collaborate both on-site with each other and in-person, as well as through these mediums. And so that, to me, is the short-term near future of what we're going to be working with and grappling with, how to communicate and collaborate when half of your team is remote and half of your team is on-site at the same time. Yeah, that's a, that's a very um, interesting challenge. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. that last one in particular. Well, the good thing is we have been doing that for several years as well. <laughs> so there are ways to do that. There's, I think the next part of where we're going to be challenged is where we are with morale, where we are just at mental well-being. That this has been an incredibly crazy and for all of us small business owners, difficult roller coaster that we've been riding for the last year and a half, and it's going to go on a little bit longer and provide many challenges that there's no way to predict. So the ability to be agile as well as adaptable is going to be imperative for perseverance, let alone success. Well said. 
Bob, if someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access any resources you have, where would they go? And, and if you have a special resource you'd like to mention, this would be a good time. All right. So <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn, of course, or come to Business Improv and you know, knock on our virtual door. We will get back to you. Absolutely. And David, we're going to set up a, a great discount code for you and a, a great way for your audience to connect to the improvisational communication course. That's the online course, improvisational communication for personal professional development and communication, collaboration, creativity, change, adaptability. We will have open enrollment programs. So if you want to practice practice field, you'll have the opportunity not only to do that, to build your network as well. And that program is a nice, for anybody who's, who says, this seems like a good skill set. I don't want to be a comedian and I don't want to go into a classroom right now and learn. You learn it from your house at your own pace. And though the techniques certainly can be good foundational techniques to drive comedy, that's not how we apply them. We apply them in all the ways that we mentioned already. And so we're going to set you up with that that discount code for your audience. Okay. And we will include the link for that in the show notes. Bob, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been the founder and CEO of Business Improv, Bob Colhan. Thank you again, Bob, for joining us. David, thanks for having me. Let's smash the plateau, everybody. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learn what consultants and coaches need to know about improv and why. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.